It's time now for Super Psychologist, Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years. Welcome to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years this evening and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. Central Time and at 6 p.m. Eastern Time right here on blogtalkradio.com, on drmarakarpell.com, and now on Apple Podcasts. And today is Sunday, October 11, 2020, and I'm psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell, and I hope that you're all staying safe wherever you are. And we have a great show in store for you this evening. Art Mendoza of Accomplice Entertainment, producer of this program, is here to make the show run smoothly as usual. And in a little while after the break, we'll be joined from right here in Austin, Texas, once again by branding strategist, creative director, and author of the book, Design Your Age, Tuck Kamen. And this time, Tuck joins us to discuss Age Circus, a platform for intergenerational conversation. And then later in the program, the twins Minerva and Ruben will be back to tell us about another travel destination in Mexico. And along the way, I'll be discussing finding our passion or our dharma during these difficult times and some hopeful psychological research to, that shows ways to improve relationships between police and communities. So that's a really interesting breakthrough. And throughout this evening's program, we will have time to take your questions. So if you have any questions or comments for me or for my guests, please feel free to give a call. The toll-free number is 855-345-4720. That's 855-345-4720. Or you can email your questions to me, and I will read them on the air to my guests. And my email address is drmara, D-R-M-A-R-A, at drmarakarpel.com, D-R-M-A-R-A-K-A-R-P-E-L.com. And you can hear this evening's program again, along with any website information links that we talk about, by going to my website, um, drmarakarpel.com, and the podcast will be posted with all of those links later this evening. And you can hear the podcast in as soon as five minutes after the show ends by going directly to Blog Talk Radio. That's B-L-O-G talkradio.com slash your golden years. You can also listen to it on Apple Podcasts when the show ends. And for information about upcoming programs or any upcoming events, go to my Facebook page, Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years. This evening was produced, is produced, sorry, we're just starting it. This evening is produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. Um, Don't go anywhere. This break will be very quick. And when we come back, we'll be joined right here by author of Design Your Age, Tuck Kamen, to talk about Age Circus. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Super psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell will be back after words from our sponsors. 
Worried about memory loss? Dr. Ronald DeVere, certified neurologist and director of Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders in Lakeway, has been helping those with dementia and memory loss for over 12 years. Specializing in the diagnosis, treatment, and counseling of those with memory loss and dementia, Dr. DeVere also has a book to reduce your worry and fear by knowing the fact. Memory loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. Available now on Amazon.com. Dr. Ronald DeVere, Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders center in Lakeway, and his book, Memory Loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. For more information or to schedule an appointment, call 512-261-7909. Are you or a loved one a Medicare beneficiary? Help save you and Medicare money by stopping Medicare fraud. Fraud happens when Medicare is billed for services or supplies you never receive. There are three easy things you can do to fight fraud. Review your Medicare claims for accuracy, protect your personal information, and be on the lookout for suspicious activity. For more information or to report fraud, call Medicare at 1-800-MEDICARE or your local SHIP counselor at the Area Agency on Aging at 1-800-252-9240. Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Merrick Harpel and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. All right, and we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Merrick Harpel and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmerrickharpel.com. And now joining us on the phone from right here in Austin, Texas, we have award-winning creative director, branding strategist in advertising, and author of the book, Design Your Age, Tuck Kamen. And Tuck is here to discuss Age Circus, a platform for intergenerational conversation. Welcome. Okay, I couldn't help myself. Um, <laughs> that was great. Thank you so Welcome. very much. How are you? Uh, I'm fine. Thanks thank you so here. much, yeah. uh, Dr. Just Crackle. A, uh, just a I'm little reminder. To... When, when we talk like this, there's a slight delay. That's why <laughs> I forgot to tell you that before. That's okay. So, um, all right. So, Tuck, so glad to have you back. The last time you were on, I think, was just before your book, Design Your Age, was launched. Yes. Yeah, that was, which has been, which has been about five years ago. Yeah. So, it's wow. time zooms. So. It um, really does. Yeah. So, you know, before we get into, you know, talking about the the Age Circus and even Design Your Age. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. Um, I uh, I've worked for about I guess over thirty years in in advertising as a copywriter, creative director, and a branding strategist. And uh, that means I've done uh, a lot of work for um, different companies such as. Southwest Airlines, uh, Whole Foods, Colgate, Palmolive, uh, Sony Entertainment, um, a number of different food companies, insurance companies. Basically, in in terms of trying to find out what um, what is it about their uh, brand that is magnetic and that their um, audience uh, can find a value. 
uh, in in using them, buying them, uh, you know, being a part of that brand. So so it be so a brand is is a living thing, and it's one of those things when we look at advertising over the years. This, this idea has changed in terms of what it's been called. It's been called. Um, you know, the, this major selling point, it's been called positioning and now it's called branding. Uh, and mm-hmm. it'll probably be called something else, uh, in, you know, in a short time. So, so from that, what led you to write design your age? Well, you know, I, I was, uh, I was taking a trip and I was kind of sick of advertising. Because, you know, I, I guess there's a lot of things in which I feel like I've worked on, tried my best not to sort of foist a lot of crap on people in terms of what they needed to buy and so on. But I was taking a trip um, up at the uh, Sanibel Islands, and I met a couple. She was 84, and he was 92. This was a, a friend of mine's um, mother, and um, she she uh, had met me at this place called Friday Harbor, which is part of the Sanibel Islands. And uh, she says, uh, my boyfriend's coming over. He's 92. And I'm going, you know, who's bringing this guy over? And uh, <laughs> this, this, uh, this Mercedes SUV comes to the house. And this fellow about 6'3 steps out. He looks incredibly healthy and um, he's got these gold rim glasses and he sticks out his hand. He's dressed in like this, I would almost say like an REI workout outfit. And he says, how the hell are you? And I'm going like, damn, I mean, I've never seen anybody this fit. And it was just, it blew me away. And, it, mm-hmm. and at that time, I was reading a book uh, that sort of put my mind in a space called The Fifth Agreement. It's about Toltec wisdom. And it was just far oh, yeah. away from that. It was as far away from advertising that I wanted to get. And somehow it became so magnetic, so obsessed in terms of my interest in aging as a result of that experience that I believe that there was a different narrative, that there was a different, um, in essence, a brand that needed to come alive about aging, that people were missing. And, and through that, since, you know, since we talk about, talked about five years, it's become even more apparent as I uh, mm-hmm. have gotten into this. But I started, I started traveling to different um, age research uh, institutes and uh, started making uh, acquaintances with some magnificent scientists uh, that, in, that were in biology and then some social scientists and some geropsychologists and and it's like this demonic Jiminy Cricket on my shoulder that says you know keep going keep going keep going because um, what 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 it is is but age is like a circus when I talk about this age circus it's filled with you know thrills and chills and hopefully you can keep your balance and avoid spills but Uh Dr. Carpet in America we're hammered by the communication that age is all about decline. Mm-hmm. It's, it, mm-hmm. it's sort of like when you reach a certain age, let's say it's 60, 
You should be getting your affairs in order. You need to be activating your retirement and be on standby for death. There's a social system of belief that holds these notions and Mm -hmm. you and I very tightly in its grasp. And I think that there's an alternative to all that. So, Tuck, let me interrupt you for a second. Since you're in advertising, do you think that part of that bullying is coming from the world of advertising because they want to sell us products for being old and feeble? Absolutely. Well, you know, the thing is, is that I'm part of a generation that kind of activated this because uh-huh. uh, when I was really, when I was a, when I was a, a kid, you know, there was this, there was this whole kind of idea about don't trust anyone over 30. And right. it, it, it boosted our concept that youth is our God. So this kind of led into even more interest about, you know, cosmetics and, and more intense plastic surgery and, you know, uh, trying to find whatever it was for that fountain of youth because youth was the only thing of value. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And it's a big industry. It is. And, 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 and it's, there are, there are a couple of things that hold us very tightly and that is, let's say, um, Senior living does this, and it needs to. And senior living needs to evolve it, uh, its idea, and that's a little bit what I want to talk to you about. And okay. um, you know, it, it it here's what I'm going to say is that senior living needs to evolve, and it is. It's, it's going to be forced to because it needs to broaden its idea, so it's in more of an intergenerational setting, which means. Mm. Um, mm-hmm that there are new models such as co-housing intergenerational settings, which are fascinating. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a place where you can have medical care if it's needed, but you can look out the window and see little kids, young families of all ages, and you're not in a place behind a wall or a fence and in a human storage facility. And COVID has unmasked this a lot. I'm saying this, you know, this this uh, pandemic that we find ourselves in here right. in um, October of 2020. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and another advertising thing is that you have AARP that shuffles you forward into this large cluster of older people from 55 to 105. You're all corralled. It's like, wait a minute, how do we end up in this one box? So because my life has been involved in branding, you start with more of a target audience. So clustering all those people doesn't make any sense. But, but, you know, we have something like 76 million baby boomers. And boomers will save boomers. Um. In in your work, which is really fascinating, it, 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 age is a state of mind, mm-hmm. and those those boomers that uh, decide that there is more to their life, that they can still be productive, that they can still create, mm-hmm. are those is that is that sort of 
branding segment that I'm talking to. Right. Right. So, so what is Age Circus? Let's get, let's okay. get to that because I don't want to, I don't want to not have time for that. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. So Age Circus is a place where you first learn how to open your eyes to the wealth and knowledge and experience you've gained over life. And um, I identify it as how do you leverage that information and actions to lead you to a more positive outcome to create better later years. And And the first part of entering the big tent, Dr. Carpel, is about conversations, what I call sharing ideas across the years. So I've partnered with a new type of app that is a, uh, it's called Twine, T-W-I-N-E, and you can find it on the web by, it's called twine.nyc. And Twine's an app for your phone that leads you to these one-to-one video chats. And the purpose is to create meaningful conversations with someone else. The mm-hmm. aspect of loneliness uh, is mm. it's at this enormous rate. In 2018, um, the epi- there's, a, there's a loneliness index that was created by Cigna that found that loneliness has become an epidemic. And w- right. with, with and what we're doing with Age Circus, instead of talking at each other that you do with social media, you get in a 15-minute, and it can be longer, conversation, and you're talking with someone. Hmm. And it's really, it's, it's, it's this very, very primary kind of foundation of, of what I consider a circus. So you get on, so on um, October 29th at 7 p.m. Central and 8 p.m. Eastern, Age Circus will, will be on Twine. You could talk to somebody younger or they could be older or they're your age. And you're guided in a, a, a series of questions. An example of these questions would be, you know, what's the single most important advice you wish you got, you know, when you became a parent? How mm-hmm. did you manage crisis? and difficult times as you aged? Or if you're the same age with someone else, what do you think could make aging better? Hmm. So that, that's the idea of, um, of this intergenerational talk, as well as what I'm talking about in terms of this first step of just, you know, looking at the emperor's new clothes in terms of how we see aging. Um, right. It, 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 what I, I guess that in your work, and then I would say is that I found that a lot of the wreckage has to do with a person's sense of of, of identity, of their sense of self-esteem, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we really have we really have erased a lot of that. And 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 again, the books that are out there are either about nostalgia which can be very poisonous, but it can also be very good. But, you know, it's, it, or, or there are books about, you know, um, I can do this type of surgery or take this type of pill or um, right. know, I can 
some kind of time machine to go back and see what I can, you know, be. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's why, you know, I, you know, I've been more focused here on this show and in my book about, you know, helping people find their passion, no matter their age. Right. Because in my, in my work, I have found that, um, at every age, because I work with people younger and older, and people as old as a hundred years old, um, and veterans, and I found that across the board, everybody wants to have a feeling of purpose and meaning in their life, which is, you know, what you're talking about—identity. Um, and it, you know, fascinating. Exactly what you said there. I have an uncle that's 95, and he said that to me. He said. You know, he had, his wife died about a year ago, and his children want him to move into a facility. And mm-hmm. he said, "I just, I just, I just feel more vibrant about around younger people." Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there is something what I find extremely artificial about this sort of stage of these facilities. But what's happening now is that, you know, we're doing things where there are things about living in place, but then there, there are downsides about that. You know, right. there is a place here in Austin that whether it, whether it was by accident or whether it was by plan, they built a facility that is in the uh, middle of, um, of an area where if you come down out into the lawn – there is, uh, you know, there are other, there are other people of all kinds of ages that have apartments nearby. You can see children playing. You can feel like you're part of life. Mm-hmm. And one of the fascinating things about Austin and Boomers is that so many have moved here because they want to be around new ideas. They want to be around music. They want to be around younger people. They want to feel alive. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, it, it's, um, it's the next evolution of what's going to be happening. And, and, it's, and I, you know, I can just move away from what, I'm, what this so-called senior living. Most of all, that word uh, senior, the people that I've spoken to at these facilities, they hate that word. They, mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they want to be, I call them, the target audience for mine, the new older. And uh-huh. you know, you've, I know you've heard the word perennial, and then there's, you know, there's been uh, other words out there because senior was coined by a previous generation, but it, right. it has, you know, it's truly the people that I, I, I've met are really, you know, in those kinds of facilities that are managing them. Their heart is in the right place. They're mm-hmm. doing a lot to try to care for individuals. And um, I understand that. But what, what I see that's happening, and I think that there are some of these larger organizations, they're moving into a neighborhood of, of intergenerational concepts, which to me is very exciting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's funny you said that about the label. Uh, my dad lived to be 93. And, you know, all the way through into his 90s, he would say, I'm not old. I'm older. Right. Right. You know, don't call me old. I'm just. Yeah. And it's fascinating you say that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. 
You're right. Um, yeah. There, there's, a, there's a gentleman that I had recorded for a, a podcast, and he said that his dad, when his dad reached about 80, he looked in the mirror and he thought, yeah, there's some wrinkles, but you know what? I'm, I'm still me. And that, mm-hmm. and that's, that's what we forget when we look at somebody with those wrinkles and, and you think, you know, I feel like there is a gold mine, a hidden gold mine in these individuals. But oh, yeah. you have to figure out how to unlock all that for them mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and for us. And it and it and it's it I see it as something extraordinarily exciting. Yeah, I mean it sounds like that's a great, you know, great way to get started with this, getting the conversation going, getting the intergenerational discussions because, you know, I think it's really important. I think it's really important not just for older people to be, you know, in conversation with younger people, but for younger people to be in conversation with older people, to for them to feel comfortable around people who are older than them. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, there, there, there is a lots of. There's so many benefits on both sides, you know, of the of the coin. You know, it provides. It really provides an opportunity for both to learn. You know, it gives a child mm-hmm. and the older adult a sense of purpose. I have to tell you something on the extreme that was so amazing. So I have a client that has four Alzheimer's facilities, and. Uh, this is at Sugarland, and the manager of a facility across from an elementary school got together with um, that elementary school and I think a librarian. And I went and filmed these uh, elementary students reading to Alzheimer's patients, residents. It was uh-huh. electrifying. It was like watching that film Awakenings. Really? These old people these older people that were sitting there brightened up. They even corrected a child very kindly if the child couldn't pronounce a word. And Mm. it taught me that we don't know that much yet about how in terms of working with Alzheimer's, but it taught me that, I mean, it just, it blew my mind in terms of how powerful that intergenerational connection can be even with somebody that is, you know, impaired, but it, it, invigorate, it invigorates kids and it energizes mm. older individuals. Mm. That's it, wonderful. It, it, it prevents isolation and loneliness of older adults. It, 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 it keeps family stories and history alive. I mean, it, it's truly cognitively stimulating for both, for both um, areas. Yeah. And, and that's that first part of the tent of age circus that I'm working on is to figure out, well, you know, what's the idea? Now, when you look at large organizations and they have what I call a, I think there's a, com- I think there are companies that have a chief experience officer that helps mentor new um, younger individuals that are coming into a tech company or an organization you know, it's like they're getting back to that idea. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it shows how much value that is about, because I know when I first started in advertising, 
and I was in New York, and I'm thinking about, oh, my God, the mistakes I made. And, and you know, uh-huh. and thank God I, I had a creative director, and I had, a, you know, I had somebody that could proofread my copy because I'm the worst speller, and, 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 and my grammar is all out of whack. But, uh-huh. and, you know, even still, but, but, you know, having that shared experience. And today, my creative director is 83, and he's been doing twine and did age circus. And you can do all kinds of things on this twine where you can talk about COVID or purpose or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I really put it out to them because uh, they're very sincere about this idea that we need to find uh, meaning again and, and we need to be able to build connection rather than, you know, just, um, you know, pontificating about how wonderful we are. Right, right. So now you also have a podcast, is that right? I'm about to reintroduce Design Your Age. I have, okay. I actually have, I have two podcasts. One is Design Your Age, and the other one is more like a theatrical radio show from the 1940s, but it oh, takes cool. place in 20, 2080, and it's called huh. uh Tales of the Future Older. And it there's about four episodes there that are highly produced to where it takes place in the future and we look back at this time on aging and how ridiculous it was. And uh-huh. each of the characters that are in it, and it's very fanciful and involves all kinds of of creatures and things like that, but it, it, it always, it, the dialogue uh from the characters comes from the information that I've gathered from Jero psychologists. And mm-hmm. at each episode ends on a cliffhanger, like what you would do on an old radio show. Right. So how can so that's people called, hear that? Go on. So it's on Sorry. Apple, it's a, it's on Apple podcasts. It's on a lot of different, uh, it's on a lot of different podcast links, but it's called tales of the future older and I'll have it linked into my website uh, in about a week uh, on designyourage.com and then I have the design your age podcast that will be starting again in December with a bunch of new um, uh, issues about branding and, and aging okay great so so if people want to, listeners want to find out more about the Age Circus and also the podcasts and your book, Design Your Age, is that all in one place on your website? You know, it it, it will be. <laughs> but, okay. but it's one of those things. Okay. In the next couple of weeks, it'll be on Design Your Age, but they can always get in touch with me at tuck at designyourage.com. All of that on my website posts about tonight's show. So people can take a look and then, you know, they can wait a week to find out about your podcast. Um, sure, sure. That'd be great. Yeah, that's very exciting. I want to keep up with what's going on with that. Okay. Well, I, you know, I, 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 again, it's been very generous for you to be able to invite me today, and I thank you so very much. And thank you very much for being on the program and for what you're doing. And this is, you know, really, really important. So thank you again. 
have a have a wonderful evening. Okay. All right. I'll just um, I'll, you know if I had if I had another piece of that circus music, I'll I'll, I'll hit it and I'll send it to you in an email. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks again. All right. All right. Okay. Bye bye now. Bye bye. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Um, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. Please visit us on the web at www.drmaricarpell.com. All right, and we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com. And that was really interesting. And I'm going to, you know, I hope you all will check out Tuck's uh, website because this is really exciting uh, to start viewing aging in a different light and and with passion that aging can be a place where we can live a passionate life rather than just getting old and um, and that's the whole idea of this program and and my book and everything that I'm trying to do because you know I want to live in a world where aging is uh, one in which uh we can live with passion as I grow older. So there's a selfish component to that as well. We're all getting older and um we're all going to be much older if we're lucky. So um so now I want to talk about um a couple of things before the twins, Minerva and Ruben join us from Bay of Bandetas. Um, and, you know, I've been talking recently about um, finding your passion or reconnecting to your passion. I don't know what happened to me, but um, I'm back. <laughs> um, I've been talking about uh, finding your passion even during this time when things are more difficult. And, um, you know, last week I was talking about how um, you might find that some of the things that you have felt passionate about and that you really um, had dreams about moving forward with, that those particular things have reached a roadblock because of this pandemic or other things that are going on right now that are sort of getting in the way. And maybe this can be an opportunity rather than an obstacle. Um, an opportunity where we can really look at our dharma, which is um, which is a term that really means our purpose in life and what is really important for us to be doing. And so, passion um, doesn't isn't only about what makes us feel good or what we like to do, but but it really contains an element of dharma, which is what I have that I can bring into the world right now, especially right now, but all the time, but especially right now, 
um, to make this world a better place, to bring more light into the world in this moment where things are are not full of light. <laughs> um, people are, you know, out of work. People are struggling because of we're you know worrying about family members who might be sick or have lost family members to this virus. Um, there's a lot of political division and people um, angry. And so what can we do right now to bring light into the world? And it might be different than the path that you were on when you were thinking about following your dreams, that this is a different path. And maybe it's, you know, maybe it's a a sidetrack that you're needed right now to do this dharma and then you can get back to your path. Or maybe it's something that you discover is your real, genuine path, even when things start to open up in the world. So your dharma isn't always full of light and joy and and, um, enjoyment every step of the way. That there is, when you're really looking at your meaning and your purpose, there's an element of work to it where it's hard work where you really have to struggle a little bit and that's not a bad thing um, because if things come too easily then then it's the joy that you get from it sometimes is really just a passing joy and you're all you're on to the next thing where if you put in some work to do something really meaningful then the joy comes from seeing that you're making a difference. And that is a a much more long-lasting joyfulness. So, you know, I have spoken a lot about um, giving and being generous and doing kind things. And there is a real, I mean, this is research. There is a real element of um, joyfulness that is long-lasting, that comes from doing kind things for other people, even if they're not easy things, even if it's not like um, you're having a party to create these, you know, um, this light in the world. Um, It's hard. And so this, thinking about this, which I did, touch on last week brought me to thinking about my own path and yes I really love doing this show and this there is work involved but it's also um, enjoyment I love doing this and so there's that's wonderful that I can continue on that path and bring this to you but there's also um, an element in my dharma to not turn away from difficult issues that are going on in the world and to really spend time looking at those issues and and feel the compassion, uh, the pain, which means helping to carry the pain um, of, that other people are experiencing, um, feeling empathy, and finding a way to 
help, part of the solution. And part of that is what I'm doing on this show, that I invite guests on the program to discuss some difficult issues um, or to talk about them with you myself, um, really difficult issues that are causing pain for people in the world. And what can we do to be part of the solution? So, you know, on this platform that I have here to speak to you, I have the opportunity to do that. And so one of those issues, one of those really hard issues is that of the police brutality and the, the you know, the, a lot of what's going on right now um, and a lot of the guests that I've had on the program um, have um, people seeing on writing right on their own television or their own computer or smartphone videos of what's really been happening to people um, and the racial bias that that occurs and um, the fear that people have walking around and, and living their life because they might not look um, like part of the majority of population, so they're not white. Um, and that's a really difficult topic, and I don't want to talk about it in a way that um, creates more anger, but I want to talk about it in a way that helps with the solution. And I'm bringing this topic up because the, I'm part of the American Psychological Association, and this week I received their um, their magazine to everybody who's in the American Psychological Association about the latest research, and that is Monitor on Psychology. So this is the latest research that's been done by psychologists and, and published and um, put together into articles. And I was really drawn to this article because it's a very important topic and also because right there in the center of the article was a picture of Chief of Police Art Acevedo, who used to be the Chief of Police here in Austin and is now in Houston. And we all loved him here in Austin and we miss him because he is great. And he's a, he is uh, chief of police, and he is with the people. We always felt that he stood with the people, and that's how the people of Houston are are feeling about him. They're they're having the benefit of having him there with them, coming up with ways to um, be be more compassionate with the people for um, ways for police to. Um, show more compassion and decrease the the uh, violence between police and the police the people that they're supposed to be protecting and to increase trust between police and the community and and I know based on my experience of having him here in Austin that that is really possible and so the research has shown that it's really possible. And so I want to talk a little bit about that because um, that's a very positive light and we need to 
continue to to follow the research. Um, so psychologists have been um, looking at the behaviors of police officers and those behaviors that decrease the amount of um, mistrust in the community, increase trust in the police, decrease the violence between police and the community in both directions, and increase all of our safety, police and community members. And um, psychologists have playing a very critical role in the police reform to um, to increase um, the the better relationship between the community and police officers. I know that in Austin, one of the things that um, Art Acevedo had um, going on here in Austin is that there was a special unit of the police department where the police officers were specially trained to understand the needs of uh, people with mental health issues. And that's a big concern of mine, that if one of my clients who's having an anxiety attack or having, or having a, a manic episode um, or feeling suicidal, that they call for help or somebody calls for help for them, that if they get officers arriving on the scene who don't understand their behavior, they might hurt them, um, think that they're dangerous, and, and in the process become overly aggressive, um, causing a, a real problem. So um, he had a unit that would be called out that was specifically for mental health issues, who knew how to diffuse situations that somebody was becoming agitated. They understood the behaviors of people who were having panic attacks or having an um, emotional breakdown of one sort of another so that they wouldn't feel threatened by them and, and further escalate the problem, that they would understand what was going on and help to decrease, defuse the problem. So that's one of the research findings that the psychologists have found is that when you have specially trained, when all police officers, in fact, um, have that training, it would be even better. But what they found was in, in police departments where the police officers had that training, um, there was significantly less, situ fewer situations where there were violence between police and the community members. And um, everybody was much safer. And there also, there, what, there has been um, research finding that um, police that are trained in um, biases that they don't necessarily that know that they have to understand their own biases, that they also are better at um, not acting on those biases based on, you know, looking at somebody and making decisions based on their race, um, that they're able to control it better, 
that they understand their biases better and they're able to control that. Um, there's also very um, promising research on the power of peer intervention. So if peers, fellow police officers, can notice when a police officer is becoming agitated or, or starting to uh, react rather than respond, that their fellow police officer can um, intervene to calm them down, maybe even take over the situation, even put a hand on their shoulders to remind them to calm down or try to diffuse the situation. But they have found that this is actually really powerful in preventing overly aggressive behavior. Um, there are many studies going on about um, different um, techniques for decreasing the the aggression between police and the community, and it's very promising, and we need to keep doing that. We need to keep working toward this. This is very solvable. I really believe that we can um, solve this problem without um, putting down police, without saying, oh, they're no good, but actually training, training police. Um, in all these various ways to help them to to have more awareness um, and to be able to diffuse the situation. So on that note, um, that promising note, um, I'm going to stop talking and we're going to listen to a little music for about Mexico written by our producer Art Mendoza and we'll listen to our interview with Minerva and Ruben uh, from Bay of Banderas. Just blows through 
and inspiring. And remember, youth has no age. Good night, everyone, and stay safe. Guidance offered by Dr. Carpell is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician or mental health specialist. Neither Dr. Carpell, her sponsors, nor this station assumes responsibility for the misuse of any of the information given on this show. 